Michael. I'm going that way. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Had a good week. Um, if you weren't here Wednesday, we got a new brother in Christ, and he's here. I know I'm putting him on the spot again, but uh, Jeremy's in the back, uh, fireman for Portland Fire Department, and uh, I love him already. I don't even know him that well, but I love him so much. So thankful uh, for him. Uh, this morning, I'd like to, uh, we're going to begin talking in the book of Acts. And I'm going to pull my lesson. We're not going to stay there too awful long, but uh, I want us to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 24, 21 through 24, really. Uh, actually, I'll read probably to 26. And I, before we do that, I just kind of want to put us in the context of uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, a little bit of background on the book of Acts. Uh, the author is the physician, as Paul called him in Colossians 4.14, uh, Luke. And uh, Luke is also the author uh, of the gospel of Luke. And he's writing to... Uh, a brother in Christ named Theophilus, and he's trying to encourage him uh, in his faith. He uh, wrote the book of Acts, and, and you know this is the book where we see the conversions. This is the book that shows us how people were saved in the first century. And guess what, brethren? It is no surprise that people today, guess what, get saved the same way. It's no different. And I say amen to that because you know what? The way I became a Christian was according to God's word. And it was the way they did it back then and it's the way I'm going to continue to preach it until the day I die. Uh, what an exciting thing to know that we can see how people were saved from the Bible. Um, what an encouraging thing. So uh, let me just walk through this and get us in the context in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 uh, Jesus is resurrected and he is assembled with the disciples and he tells them not to depart from Jerusalem and then in verse 8 he tells them that uh, they will receive power uh, from the Holy Spirit and, and that they'll be the witnesses to others about him in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world and then these, uh, these disciples were the ones who were going to go out into the world and preach the truth. They're the ones. And in Acts chapter 9, uh, I mean Acts chapter 1 verse 9 it says, Now when he had spoken these things, uh, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly, Toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Could you imagine standing right there 
in front of this guy that has done all these miracles, done all these things. He told you he was going to go and get uh, put in front of these, in front of the elders and the chief priests and get beaten and all these things. He says, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer much. I'm going to die. I'm going to get buried. And then I'm going to raise on the third day. And then he does it. And not only that, then he talks to them for 40 days. And then he tells them this right here, this last thing to stay in Jerusalem. And then he floats away. <laughs> I mean, he just lifts off the ground and a cloud takes him out. Would you not be steadfastly staring at the sky too? I'd be like, what in, where did Sean go? <laughs> uh, where'd he go? And here these men in the white apparel say, guess what? That same Jesus that just went up is coming back the same way. What an exciting thought to know. Brethren, today the day could be that Jesus Christ comes back. Huh? Today. The hope that we have as Christians, guess what? Today the day could be. Are you excited about that? Is that something that makes you Walk around with your head up high, knowing that Jesus, the Christ, could come back. Man, that ex makes me excited. Going on. The, after they hear this in verse 12, they return to Jerusalem. And, and, and Peter, in verse 15, he stood up in the midst of the disciples and he tells them, Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. And then he says, And it has become known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language the field of blood. This money that Judas took and that he threw back to uh, the priests and, and the elders, they bought this land and it was known as the field of blood. And then in verse 20 it says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And then he says, Let another take his office. And this is where I want to start. So here they are, they're about to pick another apostle to add to the twelve. In verse 21 he says, Therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So here they are and they're about to pick... Somebody to take his place. The qualifications were that they had to be with the group or with Jesus from the time of the baptism of John until he was taken up. And they had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection. So they proposed two. Barsabas and Matthias. These were two individuals that had been with the group since... Those times. Think about that. You know, a lot of the times we think about just the 12 being with them. There was more people there with them. And here were two. And I want us to consider verse 24. 
This is where I kind of want to launch my lesson this morning. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these you have chosen. The apostles prayed to the Lord, not that they wanted him to pick the right man because he was the most popular out of the group. They didn't want him uh, to pick the best speaker or the best teacher out of the group. No. Their prayer was, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. They wanted to pick the best one and they wanted the Lord to show them because He knew their heart. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Psalm 44.21 says, Would not God search this out? For He knows the secrets of the heart. As these men were about to pick one to replace Judas, as one of the twelve, they seek the one who could guide them the best. Amen. When you're in trouble, when you're down and out, who do you run to? Huh? You run to the Lord, I hope. Everyone may think they know somebody, but the Lord knows your heart. If you would, turn with me real quick to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I don't want to stay there too long, but I do want to look at this real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to pull from verse 7, but uh, to kind of get us in this story. Now the Lord said to Samuel in verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul was the first king of Israel. In the Old Testament. And what had happened was God had told him to do things and guess what? He didn't do it. He did it according to the way he wanted to. And because of that, God said, I'm going to find another one. I'm going to find another king. So he tells Samuel to fill your horn with oil and go, for I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And I want you to listen to what the Lord says to Samuel. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as man, 
For the Lord does not see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. He looks in the heart. He looks at who you really are. You know, Jesus, He gives us a really... Hey, you want to know how your heart is? Jesus gives you the real easy way to find out. Luke 6.45 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You want to know how your heart is? How you talk. How you act. What are the things that you talk about when you see somebody? Are you a gossip? Do you worry about them? Do you say terrible things about them or do you say good things? That's an easy way to find out where your heart is. Because you know what, brethren? Out of the heart, everything flows. And I'm stuck on this, these several verses. Uh, and in your own time, I'd encourage you to try and, and read these a little bit. Uh, it starts in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, I think. But I want to read verse 23. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Think about that. The issues of life come from the heart. So any situation that you're in, whether it's good or whether it's bad, guess what? It's going to come out of the heart. So whether your heart is good or whether your heart is bad is how you're going to deal with it. Isn't that awesome to think about? All the situations come out of the heart. If you've got a good heart, guess how you're going to deal with the situation? If you've got a bad heart, guess how you're going to deal with the situation? We know the answer. So, we see from the verses that follow in Acts chapter 24, after they pray this prayer, they pick Matthias. They pick Matthias, they cast lots, and the lot falls to Matthias. And he's chosen. The Lord knew Matthias' heart. Think about it. Does that mean that Barsabas was a bad guy? No. The Lord knew that Matthias was going to be the best one for that job. And so that's why he got put where he got put. But think about what the apostles are about to do. They're about to bring salvation to the world. They're, they're about to bring a way for people to be saved. They're about to present to folks a way that they can become a child of God and be added to his body. Matthias was picked because his heart was focused on that. Taking all the, the distractions away, and I'm, I'm about out of time, I'm not even going to get close, but taking all the distractions out of the way, thinking of, I want y'all to think about this. I want to encourage y'all with this. All the distractions, thinking about yourself, where's your heart? What's the biggest desire to you right now? Is it serving the Lord first? Is doing His will first? 
is living in such a way that uh, it pleases the Lord even close to the top of the list? Maybe you're here today with a heart that has just gotten tired and wants to serve the Lord but has become maybe discouraged. I hope this lesson will lift you up. Maybe you're here and you have a heart that you may be striving to focus on the Lord, but you just don't know how to get there or what to do. I hope this lesson will encourage you. I hope it will help you see how to. Maybe you're here... Maybe you're here and your heart is so far from where it needs to be, it ain't funny. Maybe you're here and you could just really care less. You're just doing it because you know you got to do it. I hope this lesson will bring you back to the place where it all began. You remember when you first obeyed the gospel? Seeing Jeremy obey the gospel pumped me up I think about those in the water as they're being baptized and the thoughts that they have in their head what an amazing thing that's going on what excitement that you should have you remember it huh brethren I want us to turn to Psalm 51 I want to use one verse Psalm 51, verse 10. I got three things, and I'm going to try and get there in five minutes. <clears throat> Let me read it to you. Psalm 51:10. This is a powerful area of Scripture. And I encourage you to read 10, 11, 12, and 13. Oh, I love it. Oh, what energy I get from it. And it all starts at the very beginning of this. Hey, you got a tired heart? You got a frustrated heart? You got a discouraged heart? You got a heart that is, is wanting to learn? You got a heart that could care less? Try this. David says, create in me. The Hebrew word right there means to shape or fashion something new. David is talking about his heart. He says, create in me a new heart. We all have the ability as children of God to ask God for things. Have you ever asked God to help you with your heart? I'll be honest with you, I've never specifically prayed that prayer before. Not in that manner. I'll be honest. Now, do I pray to be a better Christian? Absolutely. Do I pray to be a better prayer? Absolutely. But do I ever pray for a clean and pure heart? I am now. He says, create in me a clean heart. 
You know, when I think about the word clean, the only thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is when Erin leaves on Monday morning and she says, now when I get back, the house better be clean. (laughs) James knows. What are you doing, brother? Cleaning up so I don't get whipped. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do try to have it clean, though, when she gets home. She's the boss. I hate to admit that. I love you, Aaron, so much. But he says, create in me a clean heart. The Hebrew word right there means pure. A pure heart. You know, this word is used for uh, when they would present a, uh, 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 a sacrifice uh, at the temple. It needed to be a pure or a clean sacrifice, right? Here David is, down, obviously, and here's what he asked for. And remember who David is. Remember what the scriptures say about David. David was a man after who? God's own heart. And here he was putting his heart in check. He's saying, create in me a new, clean heart. Take, all out, take out all the distractions of the world. Take all the things that hinder me from doing the right thing. Take all that out. Let me put it in check so I don't stumble, so I don't fall. Lord, create in me a new heart. A pure heart. A heart that stands out. You know, the college football, all the awards have went on and all these people are great standouts. Let me ask you a question, brethren. If you looked at your life, and no, we're not judged by uh, other people and how good of a Christian you are. But really and truly, if you thought about it and God looked at your heart, are you a standout? You know what I want to be? I want to be a standout for the Lord. I want the Lord to use me however He needs me to be used. And guess how He'll know how to use you? Because He sees your heart. It cares about doing God's will. You know, he asks it. You see him, he asks it. He says, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And then he gives the answer in his own prayer how to do it. He asks the Lord to renew a steadfast spirit within me. Think about that. The Hebrew word right there is beautiful. It means to repair. David was down at some point. In this psalm, he's down, he's hurting. And guess what he asked for? Lord, renew, repair this steadfastness that I have to you to do your will, to do what you want me to do. Are you here today and you're just, huh, whatever? Are you here today and you just basically are just going through the motions? Hey, I know what life is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It just goes and goes and goes, don't it? It don't stop. 
And there's something programmed for every single second of the day. But guess what? David stops and he says, Nah, I want to take time to ask you something, Lord. Something that's really important. Create in me a clean heart. And renew, repair this steadfastness that I've lost. I want to be steadfast. I want to be continually trying to serve you and knocking down those distractions and those things that put me in a bind and put my Christianity at a standstill. Not anymore. I want to close with the two verses, verse 12 and verse 13. In verse 11 he says, Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But listen to what he says right here. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. You know, when we get our mind right, when we get our eyes focused back on what it needs to be focused on, here's what happens. Verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your way. And sinners shall be converted to you. I may not be the one speaking it, but I am a part of it. I'm shining my light. I'm affecting people. I'm inviting. I'm doing the things that I need to do because I know that all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord. and are called according to His purpose. Think about that. Have you been called? Have you answered the calling? Have you obeyed the gospel of God? Do you love Jesus Christ? Well, guess what? No matter what you got going on in your life, no matter what you got going uh, on, uh, the situations that you're dealing with right now, guess what? If you're a Christian, the Bible says all things work together for the good. But you can't help, you can't contribute, you can't change anything unless you have the right heart. It starts with your heart, brethren. We can change the world. And I don't just say that just to say it. I'm serious. Twelve guys. hundred and twenty in an upper room were a part of something that was unbelievable. We still talk about it. We got more than 120 people right here. Brethren, we got more than enough to change the whole wide world because guess what? They did it. And I'm still talking about it right now. I say amen to that. And I say amen to you. And I say amen to what you can do. But the question is, do you want it? Do you even care about it? I hope you do. I hope you love the Lord so much that you're willing to change what's wrong in your life, to fix the things that are messed up. I love y'all so much. Let's change the world. Maybe you're here and you need to become a child of God. Maybe you're here today and you need to put Christ on in baptism and have your sins forgiven, your sins washed away. 
one of the encouraging things that Jeremy told me was he understood what baptism was for. He knew it was for the remission of his sins. It's beautiful to hear that. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Maybe you're hearing you need to repent. Maybe you need to fix some things that are wrong. Maybe you need prayers from the saints. Whatever you need, don't wait. Come right now. Together we stand and sing.